Hello, it's Gabby here for you. Before we jump onto this week's podcast, I just want to let you know about two ways that you can work with me. First of all, I do one-to-one coaching and I do that via Zoom so we can jump on a Zoom call at a time to suit you. The second thing I've got for you is an online coaching course that's 12 modules that you can download straight away now. There will be a link somewhere around these podcast notes. And this is the course that I've designed and it's got everything in it that I wish I'd have known when I finished cancer treatment and I was lost. So you can download that course now and you can start working towards making this your happiest and healthiest year ever. I'd love to hear from you. Let me know what you think. Take care. Bye-bye. Hello there, it's Gabby here from Confidence After Cancer and I hope this finds you well. This week's podcast, I've got a wonderful guest for you and we're talking about a topic that I hadn't really thought about a lot until I met Brooke and that is healing your inner child. Now what's that mean? It all sounds a bit woo-woo but if you think about it, we all carry around with us our past experiences, things that have happened to us, things that were said to us when we were children And that can be really, really positive. You know, hopefully if you've had a good upbringing, parents that loved you, you've been given lots of positive information about how great you are, how beautiful you are, how wonderful you are as a human being. But unfortunately for a lot of us, it might be teachers, it could be parents. We've got some stuff that we're carrying around with us that is not so positive. And it's not always something that's happened bad. It could be a really minor thing that, you know, a teacher said to you, or oh, you're not, you know, you're not sporty, you're not academic. People make these throwaway comments to children. And sometimes that comment can really affect people in later life. And Brooke's going to talk to us about the work that she does in helping people unpack that, not dwell on the past and, and talk about how awful it was, but just to accept what's happened, understand it a little bit. And maybe do some therapy with her or do some talking just to work it through and really understand, put that comment or that event, whatever it is that you're carrying around with you from your childhood, put it into context because you're not that person anymore. But we all have memories. We all have things that we carry around with us, some good, some bad. But let's get rid of those negative things that are holding you back. And I know for me personally, things have held me back for a while that little voice that said, well, who do you think you are? And who do you think you are to start a podcast? And who do you think you are to go on Facebook Lives? Who do you think you are to write a book? Blah, 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 blah. All the things that we think, who do you think you are? Well, I'm telling you now, you are a wonderful person. You've got talent. You've got gifts to share with the world. So don't shrink. Don't play small. Whatever your gifts are, I hope you enjoy this week's podcast. It's a belter. And Brooke is a lovely woman with some really thought-provoking things she's going to share with us so make yourself a cup of tea your coffee whatever your drink is hello there so on this week's episode of confidence after cancer i've got a really interesting guest who's got a subject for us today that i want to know more about I've, i've heard about this thing about healing your inner child and so i've got brooke with us today who's going to explain a little bit more about that what it means and how it can help you because i think for a lot of us we carry stuff I don't know if that's the right word, but carry stuff around with us from our childhood. I know I do. I can hear my mother's voice in my head sometimes telling me off or telling me things, things that happened a long, long time ago. And it's still there. And as much as some of us like me have done therapy or done counselling or coaching, 
some stuff still lingers. And I think Brooke's going to talk to us today about how we can work with that and what we can do about that. So welcome, Brooke. It's so good to see you today. Thank you for joining Thank you for me. me. Great stuff. So what does it actually mean then, healing your inner child? What's that all about? If you'd like to tell our listeners about that. Yeah, if if you've grown grown up as as a child, especially if you've been in a very traumatic situation where you've had a parent that's physically there but emotionally kind of absent, anything when you do things, you can have inner child wounds, and there's four core main ones: not feeling good enough, not feeling worthy, not feeling lovable, or not feeling important. So, as a child, if you had something that you wanted to to like express some feelings like you were upset or you were sad and you went to a parent and they said oh stop crying you know you know babies cry you know children don't so you kind of squish those feelings down you don't express them and we we are as human beings supposed to express our feelings rather than suppress them but we tend to suppress them and they end up being wounds we we end up feeling that that we're not good enough that we're not important that what we have to say and what we feel isn't important in life. And we can carry that on into our adult life. So we can end up being like people pleasers and saying things that our parents want us to hear so that we can get some sort of validation from them. So it's those core wounds of when we go to to talk about something, you know, there's that age you're saying that, that, you know, boys don't cry and good girls don't get angry. So if you want to express something because you feel angry as a child and your parents said, no, you can't be angry, you know, it's bad to be angry. We end up pushing that down and suppressing it, which end up turning out into a wound thinking, well, why am I not good enough to like express how I feel? So it's it's those sorts of things. And it can happen. You know, I grew up with a very narcissistic mother that kind of put me down and didn't validate me at all through my childhood so I had like huge inner child wounds but it can also happen with if you've got well-meaning parents that don't always realize what what's happening and what's going on and I I will mention it sort of throughout the the um the talk but I wrote a book about how you can break through the self-sabotage cycle and in there I talk about a lady that um had a trauma from her childhood when she was seven when a teacher when she was doing a sum on the board she got it wrong and the teacher threw the board rubber at and said, you're rubbish at maths. And, you know, up until the age of seven, we don't have that critical faculty to reason. Well, maybe the maths teacher had a bad day. Maybe he had an argument with his partner. Maybe, you know, he tripped over the cat or got a flat tire or whatever. So it's realising that then we think, well, because they're like an authority figure, well, they must be right. Mm-hmm. So they, we internalise that. And up until the age of 50, she just thought that she was useless at maths and got everybody else to do things mass related she needed a mass qualification to get a promotion so she called me in to like help her to sort it out so we then like sort of worked out where where the story come from and I worked through it and um it was it's quite funny actually because she had to do a mass and an English exam I said do you want some help with English she went no I'm fine with English and she ended up passing the mass exam and failing the English which was quite, quite <laughs> ironic really but um but it yeah. is it's understanding that you know, it can be one sentence that somebody says, or it can be like, you know, a tr- loads of tra- traumatic events. And it's not the event that happens. It's how we feel about it and how we think about it after us and how, how it's dealt with, you know, because we all have some kind of traumatic event in our life. A lot of them we can process there and then and deal with them. But if they're not processed and dealt with, like, for instance, when my granddad died when I was six, I mean, he was my whole world. He was my hero. And I desperately wanted to go to the funeral to say goodbye. But my parents said, no, children don't go to funerals. You know, and back in, in like the 70s, that wasn't a thing that children went to funerals and things mm-hmm. like that. 
and they probably thought they were, were kind of like helping me by not being around all this but I really wanted to go and say goodbye to him and for years I felt like I hadn't had that closure and I, I remember as an adult going back to his grave and then kind of like saying my own goodbye to him and, and sort of like having that, that closure. So it can be from all sorts of, of different things. And in a child wound can happen when a child is bullied at school and they don't feel good if so then they, they go to the teacher and say, oh, no, no, don't be silly. He, he, he didn't mean it that way. And your feelings aren't validated and, and you can't express them. Yeah, so much of what you've just said rings true, both for myself and people that I work with as well. And I think one of the themes that comes up time and time again with people that I work with that are struggling, you know, later in life, maybe in their 50s and 60s, is that feeling of not being worthy. And mm. quite often, you know, that's a really stark example that you just gave us about the maths thing and that's something you could pinpoint. And as I'd imagine for a lot of people, they can't really pinpoint where it started. So how do you break that down? How do you unpack that? How do you get back to sorting that out if you're not quite sure where it came from but why do I think I'm not as good as other people you know I hear that a lot yeah well I often talk about people having beliefs and thoughts that they've inherited from other people you know mm -hmm. um, trauma can go back seven generations so what our parents said to us and what our, our grandparents said to us they're repeating stuff and we often don't question it because if it's not serving us we think well that's the way it's always happened in, in my family. And if I had a pound for everybody that came, I came across that said that, I'd be a lot wealthier than I am now. <laughs> but we don't ever get curious and question, actually, where's that come from? And again, in, mm -hmm. in the book, I tell a story about, and it's quite a funny one, really, is about a, a couple and the, the wife is cooking a roast a ham and she cuts the end off the roast ham. And the husband said, well, why are you doing that? She said, well, because my mum always done it. And he said, well, I'm going to ask your mum why she done it. So, so he phones the mother up and said, why, why do you cut the end of your ham when you cook it? She said, because my mum always did it. So he said, right, I'm going to phone grandma and find out what's going on. And the grandmother said, I cut the end of my ham because my roasting tin is too small. So she had a reason that served her why she did it. But because her daughter watched her do it, whenever she cooked a roast ham, she thought that's just the way it was, even though yeah. the daughter and the granddaughter had big enough roasting tins so they didn't need to cut the end off the ham. So, you know, that's kind of a funny illustration of actually getting people to think, okay, well, what am I doing that I don't yeah. need to do, but I'm just doing it because it's always happened in our family that way and, and that's the way it's been and, and I've never questioned it. So one of the biggest things I get my clients to do is get really, really curious those stories that you're running through your head, you know, some people call it the inner critic, you know, and I, I like mm. to help people to think about instead of it being an inner critic, it's a little scared five-year-old version of you thinking, what are we doing here? What's happening? And when we can think about that, instead of thinking, okay, I just need to push these thoughts away and get on with it, get curious. Where have these thoughts come from? Where have these yeah. beliefs come from? Because my my beliefs I grew up with, because my, my mother used to say to me, I was ugly, worthless, I've never amount to anything nobody would ever love me but they were her projections because she'd mm -hmm. got really deep in a childhood and she was projecting onto me so they were her beliefs but they're not my beliefs so I then changed my beliefs to have beliefs that served me and helped me move forward so it is a case I feel sometimes a bit like a detective we kind of like unpick everything and discover where it comes from because once you're aware of where it's come from even if it's come from like you know your great-grandparents then it's like oh okay um, that may have served them then, but actually it's yeah. not serving me now how I want to live my life in this generation. 
So it's all about getting really, really curious about actually, is that true, that belief that I'm running? You know, it's a bit like a computer system. Every now and then we have to like reset our, our computers mm-hmm. and sort of like do a clean up. But we never think to do that with, with our own bodies and mind. We don't think, oh, are the things I'm thinking and, and believing and feeling, are they serving me? Are they helping me move forward or are they keeping me stuck? Yeah, I love that. I love so much in what you've just said. I, I would wonder, though, uh, for some people, and, you know, I had quite a dark childhood. I won't go into that now. But when you talk about going back and understanding where things have come from, is that not sometimes like a little bit scary for people to think, well, I don't want to go back there because I'm grown up now. I should have I should have dealt with this. And I don't want to hear those voices again because they upset me so much at the time or they were so traumatic. I've done a lot of work to try and forget them. I don't want to mm. think about them anymore. Yeah, um, I see what you're saying, but I do it in a way that doesn't re-traumatise anybody because, you know, I've been through trauma myself and I would never want to you know, traumatise anybody. But it's just, we, we just get curious about the thoughts. So, like, for instance, when I went to do a Facebook Live on my, on my personal profile, I had this voice saying, you know, what will people think? So it's like, we then pick up, where does that phrase, what will people think of me, mm-hmm. come from? You know, who said that to you? And then it's like, okay, well, if, you're, if your mother said that to you, where did she get it from? So we kind of like just look at, at, at the actual saying rather than go through the actual traumatic events that have happened. So once we realise, oh, that was what my grandmother always used to say. Oh, that was her saying. So it's not mine. So I can have a different one. And you actually detach from it and realise that that's not you. That's not who you are. It was just something that you used overheard as a, as a child. Now, I have so many people come to me and say, I'm stupid. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So, you know, where's that come from? Well, because I overheard my mum and my auntie saying that my sister was a clever one. Therefore, I should, I'm the stupid one. But mm. children tend to put two and two together and come up with five. It's how it's perceived. Like I had a yeah. client once who had an issue with money, a real strong money block. And she said, but I don't get it because my parents were really kind, loving parents. I'm like, that's fantastic. But let's see where that story's come from then. And when she was little, her parents used to pay her pennies when she did jobs around the house to help her to to learn the value of money. So the parents thought they were doing a great job helping her to learn the value of money. But as a child, she perceived that she was only worth pennies. So she put two and two together and come up with five. So when we realised that, it completely changed and we worked through that and then she went on to earn the money that she wanted to earn because she realized actually she wasn't worth it just pennies it was her parents you know doing the, the best they can and sometimes it, it is you know something somebody will say and they either say it in a jokey way and don't mean it but it depends on how we're feeling emotionally we can take it a completely wrong way mm-hmm. as a child and it sticks because an adult said it so it must be true and it's like understanding that our parents, we often put them on a pedestal, but actually they're human beings too. And they've got their own inner child wounds and they're just dealing with whatever they're dealing with and the beliefs that they got from their parents and their grandparents. Wow. Yeah, so that rings so true. And I think for me as well, because now I'm a mother and I'm a grandmother and I'm very you know, I'm acutely aware that, you know, my childhood wasn't great. And I don't want to pass that on to my, my sons and to, and to my grandchildren. And so... A lot of what you're saying, though, is not particularly cruel. It's not particularly nasty. It could be construed as being quite well-meaning. And I think a lot of these things have probably been said with all good intentions, haven't they? With Mm. somebody trying to keep you safe as a child or protect you or give you good advice, what they perceive as good advice. So it doesn't always come, again, from a dark place, does it? It doesn't always come from abuse. It can come from love. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. it's understanding that 
when our parents say things like my mother used to say oh you can't wear that what will the neighbors think which I was sort of a bit strange anyway because I grew up on a farm and our nearest neighbor was like the farm down the road so we didn't technically have neighbors but now as an adult I realized it was her inner child wounds of not feeling good enough as a parent if I didn't dress in a way that kind of like conformed to normality, you know, Um, because I was a a real tomboy. I was a jeans and T-shirt type of girl. But if she said, go get a dress on and get dressed up to go out, I'd wear all sorts of different colours together. (laughs) And she said, you can't wear that. What will people think? Now, that brought me into like in my adult life, like, oh, my goodness, you know, I can't do a Facebook Live because what will people think of me? Do they think I'm I'm showing off or, or whatever? So that stayed with me, even though it was my my mother's inner child wounds of not feeling, you know, that people perceive her not being good enough as a parent. So we always had to be like perfectly dressed, perfectly presented. So so that soothed her inner child wound of feeling good enough as a parent. So it's understanding that that often it's somebody else's inner child wounds that are being projected onto us. And it's not our stuff that that we're actually dealing with. And when uh, my clients realize that. I see like the sigh of relief and they go, oh, okay, so I can have my own beliefs and I can live the life I want and how I want to think about it. So it's getting really curious because the thoughts that pop into our head, it's a bit like if you've got a little five-year-old, if anybody's ever been around a five-year-old and they want your attention, they're like, mum, 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 or auntie, auntie or whoever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they don't stop until you actually acknowledge them. And, and if you don't acknowledge them, they just get louder and louder and louder until you kind of go, what? <laughs> you know. And it's so like that with our, our thoughts that pop into our head and our beliefs. If we kind of like just ignore, try and ignore them and push them away, they will keep coming back stronger and stronger. But actually, if you acknowledge them and think, is that actually true? Now, I had it once. Um, I remember getting mic'd up at the back of a room to go on stage to, to share my story. And this little voice popped into my head and said, what do you think you're doing? Now, if that had been like 15, 20 years ago, I'd have probably burst into tears and run into the toilet crying and thinking, I don't know. Yeah. But actually, yeah. now because I've done the work, I thought, right, what we're doing is we're going to go on stage, share my story, and we're going to impact and inspire some of these people, even if it's only one person, my job here will will be feel like I've done something. And with that, that voice quieting down, because often it's it's our inner child, our really scared inner child saying, oh, no, no, we can't really do that. Because, you know, when we were six, when we did that kind of thing, we got into trouble. Like with me, if I spoke out as a six year old, I got into trouble. So speaking out on a Facebook live was like my body was going, no, because logically I yeah. knew that I'd got the skills and the knowledge. But when you've got those inner child wounds, it's stored in your body and your body reacts like it was when it was five or six, when it didn't have the understanding and the control to like do anything about it. But now as an adult, we have the opportunity to do something about it. And how I work is we have us, our adult self as our true self. We have our inner child and we have what I call parts. Now, these parts can be things like procrastination, perfectionism, self-sabotage, emotional eating, anxiety, depression, anger, stress, worry, you know, all those array of things. And they're basically when you're feeling you want to step out and do something and your inner child feels scared like they're not good enough or worthy, these protector parts come in to protect that inner child. They they see you as like that five or six-year-old. And it's a bit like there's an army of them. So, okay, right, if Brooke does that Facebook Live, 
she's going to feel unworthy and not good enough. And that's too painful. We'll let her procrastinate because that's safer and it doesn't hurt so much. Even though the outcome isn't that great, they always come with good intentions. So it's a bit like if you've got a physical wound cut on your arm, you will cover it with a plaster or a band-aid to protect it so it's kept safe so nothing can get in it and poke it and make it worse or, or cause any more harm to it. And that's what these protector parts do. But it's understanding that when these protector parts come up, so instead of saying, I'm angry, it's like a part of me is angry. We get curious, okay, why is that anger come up? What is our, our inner child trying to, to tell us? Because it's always giving us feedback and data. Okay, mm-hmm. there's something going on. So our inner child needs some help. So we can then reparent our inner child and give it that love and validation that it wanted that it didn't get as a, a five or six year old. You know, so it's it's understanding that we can actually reparent ourselves and, and then heal that inner child wound. So if you suddenly feel angry for no reason, it's often because people's emotions have been suppressed and we're like a container, you know, that they're suppressed, but they suddenly build up and eventually it will overflow and we'll just blow up and explode and, and be angry. You think, whoa, where did that come from? And I used to do that quite often, but I didn't understand why, but because I was suppressing all the anger because good girls don't get angry was mm-hmm. what I you know, grew up here. And so I was like, I thought it was bad if I showed that I was angry, it's bad, you know, but it's really good to release the anger, you know, obviously not, not hurting yourself or hurting anybody else. You know, I've often gone into like woods with people and said, okay, just scream out and say, you know, I feel angry, you know, and, and afterwards they feel so amazing because they've released that out of their body rather than having it sitting in their body and festering because it will come out in some way often as you know if our bodies aren't at ease we end up with disease like inflammation you know mm-hmm. autoimmune uh, disease ibs fibromyalgia or it will come out as pains you know a lot of my clients come to me and they've got pains in their shoulders in their neck they suffer with bad headaches back aches and it's because that emotion is trapped in their body and it has to come out in some way or other. And the more we suppress it, the more it will come out as, as a maybe a pain or, or an illness. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. I mean, I've, I've been on a big journey of learning since my cancer diagnosis about, you know, the way our thoughts can manifest in our disease as well. And I'm, I'm a big fan of Louise Hay. And she always talks about that, about how thoughts become, you know, they manifest in, in disease. I really believe that. And a lot of what you said resonated with me. You know, as a small child, I was told good girls are seen and not heard. And the, the other big one that is still in there is like, who do you think you are? And yeah. another one is um, she really loves herself, that one. You don't want to be like that yeah. woman. She loves herself. That's a terrible thing to love yourself. And that, yeah. again, was, you know, it's something that I've had to unlearn as I've got, you know, quite old in life. It's, it's amazing. And again, I don't think some of those things were said with malice. They were sent said probably to help me and, and to be a good person as my mother or my grandmother would say but it's it's just amazing how these things carry on and you, you're absolutely right about the anger as well I can really relate to that about not knowing how to deal with anger and that's been a big issue for me for a long time I've been afraid to speak out and well I can't say that because I love the thing about the part of me is angry not I am an angry person but part mm. of me is angry 
and how do I deal with that? Yeah, that makes complete sense. I love that. Yeah, I can see that's really yeah. valuable work. And I, yeah. grew, I grew up here and oh, you're getting too big for your boots. It'll end, end in tears, you know. And I remember at school there was a boy in my class who was very outgoing and he used to like be kind of like the class clown and the teacher used to say every day, sit down and shut up. We don't want to hear from you. And I watched him over the years just kind of get smaller and smaller and then he ended up a very quiet little boy. And, you know, back then in, in like the, you know, the 70s, you know, teaching was, was completely different to how mm. it is now. But you're thinking yeah. you're stifling that person. Yeah, I understand that she needed to, like, you know, have some kind of control in, in the classroom. But how she said it completely stifled this, this young lad. And it was like was showing the rest of us, OK, to kind of speak out mm. and be us and be, be our own true self isn't right because we're going to get in trouble for it you know so people are scared to like say how they feel or be who they want to be or or stand out you know and that's one of the things that I'm really sort of like help my clients with is to like celebrate the things you know because you know I now know because like when I wrote my book I I decided to write and publish it in 90 days not to become like a, a millionaire out of my book or anything but I wanted to inspire people to think what can I do in 90 days? If Brooke can do that, what what things can I do? And to me, before the book was even published, it was a success in my eyes because people were messaging me saying, because you've decided to write your book, I've decided to write mine or I've gone for a promotion, I've gone for my dream job, I've started a business, I've decided to give up my business and go back to a, a job because I was happier there. And one person even said, I've decided to ask somebody out on a date because I've been putting it off for ages, but I thought, well, it can't hurt to ask them out for a cup of coffee. You know, and I documented my my 90 day journey on Facebook. So everybody saw the ups and downs of it, the the real true thing behind the scene. So everybody felt that they came on a journey with me. And so many people got so much out of me just, you know, sharing, you know, the highlights and the lowlights. Like I can remember one post I put out because I'd put that what I wanted to put was you know, a thought popping into your head. But I'd actually put pooping. But it hasn't obviously come up in the spell check because pooping is a word. <laughs> yeah. And so several people said, you know, are you going to leave it in there? I said, well, you'll have to buy the book to find out. Well, that was late on a Friday night. I discovered that and I popped a post out really quick. But so many people had a giggle that, oh, thank you. You've just made my, my evening. I'm really <laughs> chuckling over that sort of thing. So to me, that that was what it was all, all about. And, and I like to get my clients to think you know, in a different way because you don't have to live the life that your mother led your your father led you your grandmother grandfather whatever it's your life to live how you choose to live it and if it goes against the family grain but it makes you feel good then talk to your parents and say to them you know this is what makes me happy and and live the life that you really want to live we don't have to live other people's lives just because that's the way it's always been done in the family love that i absolutely love that brooke and i think as well i'm i'm sure a lot of the people that work with you or follow you we just love that vulnerability because we see sometimes people on social media and you just think, oh, God, you know, she's perfect and she never puts a, a foot out of place. But that's not real. And if people yeah. are looking at that thinking that's how you have to be to, to do, you know, to run your own business or do whatever they want to do, they need to see somebody like you who's inspirational saying, yeah, I mess up. I'm human. So what? I'm, I've, I'm over it. And not, I'm not going to let that destroy me. Just laugh about it and crack on. So I think your book sounds amazing and I will put a link to your book um, underneath the show notes as well. So if anybody's interested, they can uh, have a read of your books. It sounds wonderful. It sounds full of inspiration, full of real, you know, real life, which is what we all want. You know, we don't want the shiny. Oh, look at me. I'm amazing. It's 
these are problems that a lot of people have, but the stuff you can do about it. And I love that about your message. That's really, really good. I really wanted to talk to you about, I know you're doing a boot camp soon. Tell us about the boot camp that you're doing. What does that mean? And how can that help people? Yeah, it's a three-day boot camp and it's online. So wherever you are in the world, you can, you can join in. And it's it's called Heal Your Inner Child, Heal You. So it's it's going to be talking a lot more in detail about the inner child wound and how you can start to like actually start that healing process. And, and I'm going to go into a lot more detail about parts and how they they work as well with you in, in your day, daily life. So um, it's going to have a separate Facebook group as well for just the people in the boot camp so they can there'll be little tasks at the end of each day that they can do and pop in the, in the Facebook group and stuff. And I love doing my boot camps. I do one every January and every September. And by day two, people are like, oh my goodness, I don't want this to end. You know, I've made so many friends and I've bonded with so many people because it, it helps people to realise they're not alone. You know, so mm-hmm. many people think, especially if they've had a traumatic childhood, you know, the un, unspoken word is don't talk about it. And mm-hmm. this is one of the reasons that I'm doing these these podcasts is to raise awareness of trauma and take the taboo out of it. Because, you know, if somebody's got a headache, you know, their, their leg hurts, they'll say, oh, you know, I've got a headache or my, my leg hurts or my knee aches. And people go, oh, OK, have you taken the tablet or, or whatever about it? But, you know, people don't say, oh, yeah. I had a traumatic childhood and I don't feel good enough to do like a Facebook live or anything because the reaction is, oh my goodness, you know, I don't know what to say now because you've just told me you've had like a trauma or whatever it is because we don't talk about that, you know. Like with my my very first Facebook live talking about sort of doing things that were um, (laughs) backwards, uh, I was all right doing them in my group and my coach said, you know, you need to start doing them on your personal profile and I suddenly went... (gasps) took a sharp intake of breath and my, and my shoulders kind of went tense and that sent a signal to my subconscious mind to say uh-oh where's the danger yeah. you know and what happened was I thought right at the time because I hadn't really understood how trauma works in the body it's like feel that fear and do it anyway I'd, I'd geared myself up and tech is not my thing when if you get to know me you know I've got a, a, an amazing tech VA and I just it just drains me so they deal with it but I was so nervous because I was in that fight or flight response my camera was around the wrong way and, and I just couldn't think because I was in that fight or flight and when we're in that fight or flight all the energies goes to you like your main body to get you ready to either physically fight or run mm-hmm. and my logical brain wasn't switched on so like I re- just couldn't remember how to switch it around so I just kind of like joked and said I'm really nervous my first Facebook live on my personal profile I can't work out how to flip the camera around good job I've hoovered today because all you're going to see is my carpet <laughs> and I know Karen on with the Facebook live and I had I had two people straight after message me and say I've been following you for a while and I'd love to talk to you about some coaching because I love the fact that you hadn't got a perfect background you hadn't got perfect lighting you wasn't really scripted I could really resonate with you because that's something I could probably do as well and it's lovely that you kind of like stepped into to that make mistake you make and today now I mean I was horrified at the time and like a couple of weeks ago I did a TikTok and I realised when I did the title, because I did it quickly, the spell check changed your, as in Y-O-U-R, into Y-O-U apostrophe R-E. So the grammar was wrong. And I didn't notice it until after 6,000 people had viewed it. Wow. So, you know, if that had been a few years ago, I'd have gone, oh, my goodness, you know, I need to delete that. That doesn't look professional. But my instant thought then, I just sort of chuckled. I thought, right, take a screenshot and then um, do a post about it on Facebook saying, you know, even though I had messed up in the title and the grammar wasn't correct, 
the message that I had in that TikTok reel resonated with 6,000 people. So yeah. it's okay to make those mistakes. You know, it just shows that you're human. And when I do that, I always get people saying, thank you. It feels like, you know, I've got permission to make a mistake and I'm still going to be okay about it because a lot of people come to me because they'd love to have confidence. And I will say, well, mm -hmm. I won't teach you to be 100% confident that you'll achieve X, Y, and Z. But I'll, what I will help you with is to be confident that whether you succeed or whether you learn, because I don't say succeed or fail, I will think that we either succeed or we learn. Like with my TikTok mm -hmm. reel, I will learn to double check my title before I pop it out in future. <laughs> that we're going to be okay, you know, regardless of what happened, we're still going to be okay at the end of it. You know, my business didn't collapse. You know, I live to tell the tale the next day. So, you know, nothing major happened, but yeah. it's our perception again and those thoughts in our head that pop in like, oh, my goodness, I'm not good enough. You know, yeah, what are people going to think about that? And that's those. That's when those inner child wounds come in. But because I've healed a lot of those, it's just, okay, I made a blooper. Let's share it with the world. <laughs> and, you know, you know, let everybody know that. You know, and I love making mistakes now because it, it helps give me content to help other people to see that, you know, we're all human beings at the end of the day. Yeah. It's okay to, to, to make those those mistakes and we learn from them. Absolutely. I love that, bro. I think it may be a good message to finish on, but, you know, life isn't perfect. None of us are perfect, but you know what? You can learn how to move on from things like that and not let it derail you. And I love what you said before about it's not the event, it's what you make it mean. And yeah. I talk about that a lot. Absolutely. We put things into the wrong context sometimes, you know, and that's how, you know, negative thoughts can overtake you sometimes. But actually, you've got a really positive message to share that. I love the sound of your boot camp. I'm definitely going to be looking into that. So good to talk to you today, Brooks. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Okay, let's speak soon. And I will put the links to all Brooks' socials below the podcast here. Uh, as I say, you can check out her book, get in touch with her if you'd uh, like to take anything she said further. Great podcast. Thank you so much, Brooke. I'm sure yeah. we'll speak again. Thank you. I do Have offer a like day. a 30-minute 30, 30 um, complimentary call if anybody is interested. So if they do email me, they, they can have a, a chat with me and um, it's complimentary. So, so yeah, um, feel free to get in touch and I do answer all my emails personally. Brilliant. Thank you so much for that. I'm sure people will be getting in touch. Really got a lot out of today. Thank you so much, Brooke. Take care. Have a wonderful day. And let's speak soon. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Bye. Well, what a great podcast we had today with Brooke. Um, so much thought-provoking things that she said to me today that really struck a nerve with me. But also, not just for me personally, but people that I work with. And it's really struck home to me, you know, as we get older, you know, I'm 60 now, and things that happen to us as children or things that were said to us as children can still affect us. And that's okay if they're positive things, but if they are negative things or things that are keeping you small or keeping you in a place that you don't want to be, you have got people like Brooke who can inspire you, who can tell you that, you know, your past doesn't have to equal your future. You know, you're never too old to learn something new and to move forward and to become the bright, beautiful person that you were meant to be. And some of these things, you know, that may have been said to you as a child, maybe weren't said with malice, were not said to knock you down, but it's what we make them mean. And I think I talk about that a lot. Sometimes in life, it's not the event that's happened to us, it's how we internalize that and what we make that mean about us. You know, if somebody's told me to be quiet, does that mean I'm not worthy to speak up? No, it doesn't. And so sometimes you have to take things and, and think about what does it actually mean? I'm not going to let that hold me back anymore. That comment, that thing that happened to me in the past, 
I have the power now as an adult to move forward. And if I don't feel confident doing that on my own, I can work with a coach. I can work with somebody like Brooke, who's going to help me to move forward and live a beautiful, happy life, which is what we all want. The other thing that I really liked what Brooke said is life's not perfect. She's not coming on here telling you she's the amazing woman who never makes a mistake. And nor am I. You know, I'm not a tech genius either, as you can probably work out. But um, I've come in here to share my experience. And that's why I started Confidence After Cancer. When I was in a bad place when my treatment finished, I felt alone and I felt guilty and I felt like I shouldn't feel like that. And other people don't feel like this. They all feel great when they finish cancer treatment. Look at them all. They're all getting on with their lives and there's something wrong with me. That's what I made it mean. And it was only when I started talking to other people that I realised, no, not everyone feels like that. Some people do and that's great. There's a lot of people who need help and support and that's what I'm all about and that's what I'm here for. And then I'm just going to leave you with the thought of don't play small. You've got one life, unless you're a Buddhist and you believe you're coming back, but you've got one life. Don't sweat the small stuff. Don't worry about things that don't matter. And just look after yourself, my darling. If nobody else has told you today, I love you. I'm so blessed to have you listening, watching, whatever you're doing. Connect with me, get in touch. If I can help you, amazing. Just let me know what I can do for you. Have a wonderful day. And thank you so much for listening. Take care. Bye-bye.